it was a fun process that, that, that I think got me. Um, it was a lot harder realizing it now mm-hmm. um, than what I thought it would initially be like. <laughs> yeah, and good for you to have that clarity early on in your in your career. Uh, I also wanted to ask you, so far in your entrepreneurial career, is there anything that you consider as your most unforgettable mistakes that you've made so far? I think that's a good question. Um, I think in terms of like the the most unforgettable mistake that I have was thinking that success would come in uh, would happen very very fast, mm-hmm. um, and this was something I was I, I I learned like again like my my thinking when I was starting to work initially was you need to be putting in the 12, 15 hour days um, every single day mm-hmm. um, in order to become successful. Um, and it was just doing that every single day to the point that you feel like burning out. Um, what you realize um, b- building a business is that it's not going to become, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a short-term play. Um, and you actually have to love your job. <laughs> Um, so it's very hard to push something that you don't actually believe in. So the only reason that I'm able to really withstand the amount of work that has to be put into build out in school is because I actually believe that putting in the work will help people become successful. Hey, welcome to Brand Start, the podcast about starting your own brand and growing your business. I'm your host, Leonard Grape, and in the show, we talk about the entrepreneurial journey. From imagining your first idea, taking the first step, and the challenges, lessons, failures, and successes that entrepreneurs face in building a brand. We started this podcast because we want to help. And if we can inspire even just one of you to pursue your entrepreneurial dream, then all of this is worth it. Hey everybody, it's Leonard Grape and welcome to another episode of Brand Start. Joining me in today's conversation is Victor Rivera, co-founder and CEO of Avian School. Victor, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, before we get going, for those who may not know you, can you please introduce yourself and share some interesting information about you? So I'm Victor. I'm one of the co-founders of Avian School. Avian School is an online school that teaches Filipinos to become remote software engineers globally. Uh, the idea is we want to find the best and most capable talent here in the Philippines. We'll train them to become software engineers. Then we'll help them get a remote um, global engineering job in Silicon Valley's fastest growing companies. Yeah, so I think that's really interesting and exciting. But before I go deeper in terms of the details of your company. The first official question that I actually usually ask everybody who comes onto the show is, how did your brand start? Mm-hmm. Well, I think for, in terms of my brand, and I don't think I've been asked that um, prior or previously, but the, the way that I, I built my brand, um, I think I'd like to start, I think 
we started building that back in college. Mm -hmm. So back in college, one of the big things that I, I thought about was how the whole educational system wasn't for me. So the way that I learned was I was watching a lot of these, pod, uh, watching a lot of um, videos, listening to a lot of podcasts online and reading a lot of books. Um, one of the people that I listened to was Gary Vaynerchuk. And he was very, very big on this whole um, social media marketing thing and how you should really have a strong online presence. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, um, I went deeper and deeper, listened to all the people he was interviewing um, to find out um, like what are the best insights I could get from them and how can I apply that to my life. So while I wasn't good at school, um, I was reading stuff and I was applying that in my life. So I think one of the key moments was when I applied for my first job um, and I was applying to become an intern at that point. Um, I, I, I told the, the country head um, this, this, this pitch that I've always like told, you know, I've been repeating again and again, which is that I'll be, I'm willing to work harder and faster, um, smarter than anyone else you've ever met. Um, I will work long hours. Um, you don't have to pay me. And if I do this for the next four months and I'm able to deliver value, um, hire me. If, if I'm not, then don't hire me. We part ways. You got free labor and I got my, my work experience. Um, but I, I'd like to think that it was in that process of like really branding myself as the, the hard worker um, to every single person that I've met um, that I was really able to build that brand which eventually led to building Avian School. That's interesting. And I think that's such a bold move. Uh, <laughs> well, first off, I'm curious, what was your background in college, Victor? Uh, I, I was a business grad. Oh, well, I was a business dropout. <laughs> oh, so you didn't complete your, your college education at, at just what level? Um, I, I, I dropped out in my last year, so I was already a senior by the time I dropped out. <laughs> Can we just probe that a little? What was your mindset then? Why did you choose mm -hmm. to just drop out instead of completing maybe just a few months in at that time? It was because for me, it was about what can I apply um, at work? And it was more important to be able to get the skills I needed um, over you know, the things that they were teaching in college. I knew that I wanted to work in tech, but the people, the things that I was learning in college, um, they weren't focused on like the, the, the tech sector. And mm -hmm. there was like a whole year where I, I felt like I was not going to be optimizing um, the amount of things that I could learn. So I, I decided that, you know, you might as well just leave school. Take that <laughs> That's back. interesting. So after your penultimate year in college, you didn't finish. You didn't even enter like the final year. Is that correct? <laughs> I, I I attended the first two weeks of senior year. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm I'm just curious. Uh, what was your parents' reaction to it? Well, they they weren't they weren't too happy about it. But at that point, it was also the second time I brought it up with them. Um, and this time, I, I had a plan as to how I was going to, to make it work. So they, were, they weren't for it, but what, what could they do? <laughs> yeah, Let, let's talk about how the inception of Avion School happened. So the timing was you, you didn't finish your college education. You felt you were more into tech at that time, which I'd like to go deeper also in a little while. And then you, you tried to, to find the work. Uh, can you share with us what, what work that was? What was your uh, professional background uh, before really getting into Avion? So 
back in 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 college i was i was doing um a number of internships um so i, I was early in carousel um before they even had a formal team here in the philippines i was in honest b um if any of the listeners remember that company um then after dropping out i i found my way into lala move um, the on-demand delivery service um but then I, I was only there for a few months before i decided um joining this other early stage um, company and the company was called we clean and the the whole pitch of we clean then and i think that's, that's still what they're doing now is they want to do pickup and delivery laundry um, from anywhere in the Philippines. And mm-hmm. they wanted to have the largest network of franchise um, laundry shops. Um, the whole, it was, a, it was a bold idea, but the problem was um, to be the person running that entire business when you're 21 with no work experience, having a team of 30, it doesn't really work too well um, for mm-hmm. you because you, don't, you still lack a lot of the experience required. Um, so I went um, into that for about a year um, before seeing this huge PR article um, about how there's this new up-and-coming um, Filipino tech startup called Paymongo. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to join in Paymongo very, very early. So I, I emailed Francis um, saying, you know, like if, if I could work there, he said no. Um, two weeks was later, this cold I, email? Was this cold email? It was a, well, it was more like a cold LinkedIn message, actually. Okay, okay. Go ahead. So it was a cold LinkedIn message. Um, two weeks later, I left my, my week clean job and I told him that I was willing to work for free again. They, they took me in, in and I guess it, it was there that I learned what it was like to build a startup. And people say that they know what it's like to work in a startup, but it's very different working in a startup when it's actually just starting it's, it's only a few months old at the yeah, same yeah. time what is it like working for a startup that's fast growing so it was there that i sort of learned how to set one up and it was actually a lot more doable than i thought so eventually it, it, it ended up becoming avian school it seems to me that you have you have a different perception obviously about education and mm. look like you took two jobs for free in portions of your career. Both were tech companies, even the first one. Is that correct? That's correct. What was your motivation though? I'd like to just understand a little bit more about your mindset. Mm-hmm. Why not just look for some, some other companies where you can work with a pay, but you opted to, to mm-hmm. pitch it to two, not just one, but two companies and work there mm-hmm. for free uh, because the other one, which was Paymongo, said no at the first time. I think a lot of young people, um, what they're after is having, they want to be able to showcase a successful life. People want to be able to showcase um, having, uh, making lots of money, uh, buying the new things. That wasn't my priority early on. Um, Obviously, it was very hard because I had to forgo a lot of that. I knew that at one point, if I had the skills, I would get paid anyway. Um, Mm. And I wanted to showcase to the employers then that money wasn't my motivation. My motivation was I'm I'm here to learn and to be able to do that and really tell them that you're willing to go as far as not getting paid just to learn um, puts you at a very uh, different trajectory compared to all the other employees. Um, Mm. Now, all the managers, all the, the founders then um, want to help you out in your career. 
Um, and because I was just like willing to, like, you know, put all the hard work in, do the work, um, work harder than everyone else and still get paid less or nothing, um, people will want to help you. And that accelerated my career um, a lot faster than it would for other people. Yeah, that's an interesting story. It sort of like became an investment for you as well. Uh, that, that's how I'm looking at it. Uh, but I'm also curious, Victor, where did your interest about tech uh, is really coming from? Because you were a, you were a business student, uh, but then before you, after you dropped out, rather you, you went and worked with a lot of tech startups, right? I think almost all, if, if not all. Where's mm. that interest coming from? It started when I was in the second year uh, of my college. Uh, I read a, a book on Elon Musk. And that was the first time I, I really started to see like how much tech could change your life. Mm-hmm. Um, things just happened a lot faster in tech. Um, people in tech could come in now. They get lucky with the company that they choose. And in three years, they could become a VP. Um, compared to working a corporate job where you enter the company, you work 20 years, you might become a manager. <laughs> so it mm-hmm. made so much more sense to me to, to join tech, um, added to the things that like these companies were changing things at scale um, as compared to other companies that you might be able to change a lot, but that was because of like 100 years of work. Um, as compared to a company that was only alive for three years, affecting a global network. Yeah, it is, I think it's really like the anecdote, whether you, you work in a, in a big ocean as a small fish or you, you become a big fish in a small pond. Uh, and I was smiling when you were sharing that, Victor, because I think that speaks true to me. Uh, I, I, before I started my own company, I actually worked for a, for a traditional corporate company in the Philippines for, for 10 years. Uh, so so do, totally different path <laughs> from, yeah. from you. But, but I, I love what you're saying and it, it really feels very refreshing uh, to hear such a different perspective. But I'd like us to, to go now and, and sh- have you share with us where did the idea for Avian School start? There were, for, for me at least, um, I was working at PayMongo then. And the product of PayMongo was they were a payments API. So it's basically software that they built that you could integrate with your, um, your own app or your, your, your product. And it'll allow you to accept online payments. The problem was... Like to, to use their product, you needed to have um, software engineers integrating um, with, with, I mean, to integrate that and go help you go through the process. Um, that's a very painful process for a lot of companies, just because there aren't enough engineers who know how to use an API. And the, the problem there is that if you're trying to grow a company or you're trying to grow an entire um, industry um, involved with tech, but you can't use something as simple as an API. Um, And what's an API? Sorry, uh, we just might have to to just explain that. What's API very quickly? So API is basically, um, it's it's software um, that allows you to connect to software. So I think that's the simplest way I could put it for. Okay, yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. Okay, go ahead. It allows you to connect um, two things. so that was a problem. And if people can't do something as simple as um, using something like that, um, how can you have a much larger um, company or a tech company? So 
previously there's really no big tech company coming out in the, of the Philippines. Now you have the likes of Kumu, Grocery, um, but it's only made possible because now it's um, possible to accept online payments. Previously, it was very difficult to do that. Um, so there, so there was a huge demand uh, for mm -hmm. software engineers. Um, at the same time, like all these colleges locally were, were teaching computer science. Um, but the problem there was they were teaching outdated um, material. And if you're learning outdated um, tech, how are you able to um, build life-changing things? Like there's really no way that this Philippines will become like the next um, Indonesia or become like Silicon Valley. So you needed engineers to solve that. So that's sort of like the problem that we tried to solve, um, mm -hmm. which gave birth to Avion School. So when, when you now identified a problem, which is, I think, the base case for any business uh, mm -hmm. for any business ideas, right? It has to have a specific pain point or, or problem that you'd like to address. What were the specific next steps that you actually did when you were like, okay, so this is an idea that I have now. This is a problem that I think is very valid and needs to be addressed. And you have an idea on how you can, how can really solve that. What were the next steps that you did? Did you look for a co-founder? Did you think of a business model? Did you even write a business plan? Just talk us through in terms of the early stages of, of Avian School. We, we wanted to think about it in first principles, meaning we wanted to go down to what's the most essential part about um, when it comes to like building a business. And most people would overcomplicate the entire um, process. <laughs> They'll think about the business plan. How do I register the company? Um, what about legal? Um, how do I even hire people? Like what contracts do I use? Um, we, we knew that a product um, wouldn't really get built if we started worrying about all those different things. Because like to solve all those different things, especially here in the Philippines, it's going to take you, you know, a couple of months um, to set all of those up. And if that's if you were full-time, um, I didn't have that luxury of time. So what we knew was the most important thing um, to be able to start a company um, was the domain. So we, we thought of the name um, and we got the domain. Um, the next part after you have a domain is how do you actually get your users or your, your customers? Um, so maybe I should sell it. That's what people might think. But the first thing that you need before you can even sell is that you need a website because with a website, at least you could showcase something um, when they, especially because of COVID that they, you can't really pitch it to them in person. Um, plus you needed a place for our, our students to apply. So it was the website that we built. Um, we just got a template online. I didn't know how to code myself. So we just got a template. We changed the, the, the pictures, the text. Um, and from there, the next part was building, uh, well, was using a, like a type form, well, a Google form page um, to be able to, to add like a sign-up um, flow to the process. So it was really just that. It was not overcomplicating the process with mm -hmm. all... Um, admin legal work and just focusing on the most important parts, which is being able to build product and acquire your users after. So, so well, yeah, thanks for that, Victor. I think that's, that's really very interesting and an important note is when starting a company or a business or a product, important is don't, don't really overcomplicate things, mm -hmm. right? Uh, some would even like try to build something for like a year and then launch it only to find out it's not even going to work out. And after they burnt 
so and so amount of money. Uh, and in your case, during that time, was it already like a, a tech education company when when you immediately launched Avion? It was, but the problem was like, how do we actually do that if I yeah. myself am not a software engineer? So correct, we do have to figure out how to do that now. And how did you address that? Yeah, and I think that's interesting. I wanted to ask that because you were so interested in tech, but as you said, you don't even like technically know how to actually do some some of the back end things there. Mm-hmm. So how did you address that the challenge at the beginning? Hey there, we'll pause for a bit because it's Vine O'Clock. If you want to establish meaning and purpose for your brand you need to answer the question, why? This is an integral exercise to be clear about why you do what you do and what your brand stands for. Understanding your brand's why gives you a compelling reason for yourself and your brand. Now to find your reasons behind your why, you need to answer three different aspects of this question. Number one, the why for yourself. This will serve as your guiding light, providing you with constant inspiration and focus. Number two, the why for your brand. Brands that stand for something bigger, have stories to tell, have deeper connections with its market, have exciting futures, are more likely to be loved by its customers than brands that exist only for the sake of profit. Number three, the why for your audience. At the end of the day, Your brand must exist to make the lives of your customers better. You need to make sure that your audience understands why your business matters to them. So, if you want to deepen your understanding of your brand, be sure to ask why, why, and why. To delve deeper into your whys, send us a message. Watch out for our next Vino Clock segment. Now... Back to the show. Well, what I what I knew to be true was we needed to check for demand. Uh, was there even a, a customer base here? Mm-hmm. Um, so what we did was with the website that we had, again, it's a template, so it didn't really require code. Um, we released this to um, the Facebook group Startup BH. And we, we got our few users there. Um, so there was interest. It just so happened that the first person to apply was my soon-to-be co-founder. Um, so back then, he was still in college. And he applied telling me that he wanted to um, take part of our, um, our pay-only-when-you're-hired um, payment option. Um, mm-hmm. And the payment option is... Um, once you get hired at a software engineering job, you'll pay a 17% of your future income for the next two years. Um, only when you begin making 30,000 pesos. Um, it's now 25,000 pesos. But back then, um, I told them that there's no way that anyone's going to hire you um, at 30,000 pesos um, just because you're, you haven't even graduated yet. Um, so, but because he couldn't take a payment option and I really needed the users, I told him that, why don't you come on board, um, help us build mm-hmm. this company, and I'll give you the course for free. So he decides to come on board um, only to find out that I'm the only other person there. It just so happens that he's a computer science um, student and he knew a little bit or he knew enough um, 
he had enough knowledge to um, build curriculum. So he was the guy um, who okay. actually built our entire curriculum, um, even if he was applying for the same exact thing. So that's sort of like how we got through the first stages of building the product. Yeah, and then funny how things just fall into place, right? He was supposed to be a student, and he became your co-founder. We're just just were were there only two co-founders in in your company? It was just there, there was only two. <laughs> okay, so you were more of the the conceptual, the strategy, and business guy, and now he's more in the the tech person. That's is correct. that correct? Okay, okay. Uh, I think the early stages is is really very interesting. In fact, you you mentioned something. And in one of your earlier answers, that it's it's very different working for a startup company that's really just starting, meaning a few months old, very early stages, compared to already working for a startup but it's now scaling or really fast growing. What what do you have in mind there? I mean, what what are your thoughts or what will be seen in terms of the difference between the two? So at the beginning, you there were just the two of you. Uh, mm-hmm. What was it like? And like, what was the the first six mm-hmm. months, twelve months uh, journey for Avian School, Victor? It, it goes back to like what I was sharing a while ago about building the product. Um, there's a difference between coming very early because you start to see um, how to to build it from the start. And for us, um, because I didn't know how to code, what that looked like was just using a Google form. Um, people would, again, would overcomplicate the process, thinking about how they can hire an engineer mm-hmm. um, to build that product for them. Um, when realistically, the most important part is just having people sign up to your product. So just using a simple Google form, um, did our, I was able to um, launch our admissions flow. Um, and because I didn't have any money um, to be able to pay for other services, neither did I know how to, um, every time someone applies, the email they got was sent from me. Um, so it was really being very scrappy early on, um, focusing on how to fo- build out the most essential parts of the product in order to launch. Um, the first year was really us um, focusing on only two things, um, building product and talking to users. Um, so after you've built that product, the next part is you need to be able to, one, get your students to build the, the thing, the curriculum that you're going to use to teach them. So the way that we did it was my, my co-founder um, was learning to code <laughs> during the day. Okay. Um, and I was acquiring the, the users, um, the, the students. Uh, we had three only. And that's sort, that sort of like how we formed um, the product. So he was starting to code during the day and he was teaching that at night. On my end, I was, I, was, I was sort of organizing the presentations in order to be able to teach it at night as well. Um, and I, I got the users in. And it was that scrappy process that gave birth to what Avian School is today. Um, and it's also like thanks to the students then. Yeah. Did you say three, three students? Was that for the whole one year? The, the or, first for, for the first batch. For the first batch. Okay. And when was this again? Just, just to contextualize our um, discussion. In the start of the pandemic. So March 2020. March 2020. Okay. Uh, you, also, you also became part of Y Combinator, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, can you share? How was that experience? How did you get in? How was it like? And what was the result for you? So the experience was, well, Getting in was the hard part. Um, so we were a second time applicant for Y Combinator. Um, we applied very early on. Um, 
we, we submitted our first application in March 2020. Um, so right from the beginning, we applied. But at that point, we didn't have any progress. So there was no way that we were getting into um, the program. Um, but then after realizing that we, we, we couldn't get in and we didn't have any funding, uh, we needed to double down on what we can do. So we focused on being able to raise a little bit of money um, from a few angel investors. Um, we focused on being able to teach our students um, the best way that we can so that we, they can get hired. And we've also, we also focus on building a better curriculum. So with all those three things that we did for the next six months while waiting for the next batch of applications, and eventually, um, we did get in um, after a lot of like hard work building the product out and you know practicing for the interview. Um, but there, it, it, that's sort of like how the process worked for us. It, it wasn't easy, um, but it, it again it just goes down to focusing on building product. Yeah, just for just for everybody's reference, Y Combinator is more like a, an American startup accelerator, right? Uh, that helps startup companies uh, get get funding. Uh, were you able to fly to the US at that point, uh, or I think that's still a pandemic? How how is it for you? So it, we were part of the remote batch, so okay. I, I believe they're okay. going back to flying people to the US, but mm -hmm. because it was COVID then. Uh, we, we, we couldn't go out. Yeah, I could imagine. Did you get any funding from there? Is that, is that the final output there? It, 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 they do give you funding um, if they accept you. So it's $125,000 uh, for 7% of your company. Wow. Wow. Does uh, mm -hmm. that, that sort of like pave the way for, for now uh, scaling Avian School? It, it does. Um, but I think more than the, more than the, the funding that, that you receive there, um, what they tell you in Y Combinator is that it's, it's, it might be the only time in your life where you could focus all your effort on, on just building your product. Um, so when previously um, you had to worry with um, all, the, you know, the, all the different uh, realities of life, um, now you were given money to leave your job, um, go full time on building your product and focus on nothing else but that. And we, we my co-founder and I did grow as entrepreneurs there um, just because we were also learning from highly experienced people. Um, like the founder of Twitch was there. Um, we were mentored by the employee number one of Yahoo, um, the wow. founder of Scribd. So learning from them did help. Yeah. You said that was the time where you needed to go full-time uh, does that mean during the first year you were only doing it like part time? Were you working for another full time job and your co founder? No, we were we were we were full time from the beginning. Okay, um, yeah, I wanted to just clarify that. Okay, <laughs> okay, but how was it though? Uh, before we go deeper, just just to give context for somebody who might be listening and thinking, yeah, I think it's an exciting thing to do, but obviously there, there's there's a lot of hard work and I can imagine a lot of sacrifices. How was it like running a company that I was I was seeing based on your story not not as profitable yet during the time? Mm -hmm. There's no really money coming in. How are you even supporting yourself? And what type of a lifestyle did you have to like? Uh, I don't know either endure or enjoy. Uh, mm -hmm. Depends on how you look at it. I didn't have money for for, for sure. Um, so one one interesting um, part I wanna like get out to the listeners also is that 
I was cut off by my parents. That was sort of like how they, 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 they pushed me to go back to school. Um, luckily, I had enough savings um, to be able to take my first job. Um, but I think that the part that I want to get across here is the concept of living in $1 a day um, that I learned from Elon Musk um, back when I was reading his book. Um, the idea was how low um, can you get your lifestyle to become? Um, so how he did that was he, he wanted to see if he could live with $1 a day. And he, the idea was if you could live in $1 a day, no matter what happens, at least he knows that he won't die. So for me, uh, over the next few months, um, before we raised our first round of funding was we needed to cut back on all the, um, on all the, the fancy things of life. <laughs> yeah. um, or not even like fancy things, but like we needed to cut back on like being able to eat three meals a day and eating less meals than that. Um, just focusing on rent, um, not going out. Um, and just focusing on those things again and again um, while building product um, with, and just focusing on being able to get your funding in because you do need money to be able to run a business. Yeah. So that's sort of like how, like that was my mentality then. Yeah. Thank you for being so open about it. And well, it, I think it's, it's one of the very few episodes here in Brandstar where I really get the privilege to talk to a tech company founder. And uh, it's really very empowering to, to hear different level of perspectives, I think, in terms of becoming an entrepreneur, uh, really being committed to, to what you want. Uh, where, when did you actually validate it also that the idea is something that you can go all in? Um, usually you start with conceptual, right? Uh, and yeah. then, then just a business hypothesis that this is mm. the problem that you, you can solve and this is how you're going to solve it. But I think a lot of the, a lot of the unknown there would, would make others just, just, don't, just, just quit immediately without even trying. But it looked to me that you had a lot of sacrifices already. You left a full-time job. You got cut off by your parents. Uh, you had a different perspective on how you live it day by day. Mm. Um, when did the validation come and how did you get that level of belief and commitment to, to your product idea? Well, today, today our, our product um, is built by curriculum developers. Um, we use like, um, like the up-tier um, curriculum and instruction design um, to, to build the things that we teach um, our students. Um, back then, um, again, like it was just my co-founder and I building the curriculum. Um, we're not experts in this. And for the students that we had to stay um, on track um, with going to class um, like, like four times a week, um, regardless of how bad the product was initially, um, that sort of allowed us to believe that there is something, there is a huge need here. Um, then the moment that we got our first check from an angel investor, um, that did pave the way for us to really believe that, hey, um, we need to go all in on this. Um, it might not work. Like for all we know, it's really only three people and mm -hmm. the next batch won't even care about this. Um, but then it continued. We, we went to our second batch, which was, you know, 12 people. Then we, we went to the third batch, which was um, much larger than the twelve. And we just did that again and again. Now we do a batch of 30 students every week. I mean, every month. And 
it was only because like, we, we had a few believers in our product um, for us to really um, go all in. Yeah, yeah, that's that's I think that's really very inspiring. So from that point when you started, right now, where are you currently in terms of uh, revenue growth, revenue size? Even uh, you said thirty per per month is that yeah. the average number of students, and even the size of your organization right now, Victor. Well, as a company, um, we're again we're we're doing a batch um, per month, and that's thirty students uh, every month. Um, we have our partners with over 180 different um, partner companies locally. We have 30 partners globally. Um, and the direction for us is really to be able to begin focusing on that global placement. Um, the idea that we can f- find someone, um, regardless of their educational background, train them to become a software engineer, and now enable to, them, to help them get high-paying salaries abroad. Um, so in terms of revenue, that's something we, we, we don't share publicly, but in terms yeah. of like the amount of like numbers that we have, that's sort of like where we're at. Yeah. Did you have any valuation right now? Is that publicly available? Uh, it, for- it's not. Uh-huh. Uh, unfortunately, okay. Okay. it's not. <laughs> it's okay. Thank you for your candidness. Um, but, but in terms of, um, in terms of business model, I'm just very curious. How is it for you? Is it more the the pay now? Uh, the, sorry, mm-hmm. the study now pay when you're hired model when you get uh, a percentage mm-hmm. from from depends mm-hmm. on what I don't know if it, there's like a base salary base minimum or it really depends on how much uh, are they earning uh, or mm-hmm. is it more of the one time fee uh, model that you have? So we we have everything, um, but I think the the most popular payment option that we have is the income share agreement. The the seventeen percent of your income. Uh, for the next two years, only after you're hired. Um, so we, we're sort of betting on our students that, yeah, yeah. hey, you can get hired. Um, if you don't get hired, you don't even have to pay. So it de-risks the process of um, transitioning your career. Which I think is a very clever brand promise and, and unique selling point, right? Mm-hmm. There will be many other courses, but usually just you pay now or at least there's some payment terms but not necessarily committing that with our program, with our global company partners, you'll actually get hired and that's a promise. Uh, I think that that works a lot in terms of the branding side of things, which yeah. I'm interested to touch a little bit, Victor. Uh, first off, what was the idea behind the name Avion? Uh, what's the story behind there? Anything? The, the, the PR story that we shared to everyone is that um, Avion um, refers to flight, um, being able mm-hmm. to attain new heights, um, achieving greatness through shifting your career. Um, the real story is it was the only available domain name with a .com. Um, so we sort of just pick that and try to build a story around it. Yeah, same with me. The name of my company is, is the Vineyard Brand Consultancy. So basically the Vineyard. Uh, the, the storyline now is, which I think is very relevant, is that it, it alludes to the, to the principles behind branding and communications, which it really has to have a good foundation. It takes time. You have to nurture it before you harness the fruits. But when I was starting, it's really just about because my surname is Grape, so might as well <laughs> use something related to that, right? Uh, which, which became the Vineyard. Uh, in terms of like, uh, the role of branding uh, to your business. Any thoughts on that? Like how how branding plays a role to to the growth of Avion? Hi, thank you for listening to Brand Start. We're pausing a bit for a quick message. Are you thinking of starting your own business? 
Do you have an idea for your brand or are you someone who needs help in growing your business? If yes, then you're in need of a branding and communications company to support and help you with your journey. The Vineyard Brand Consultancy can provide you with personal support from its team of brand strategists, communicators, and designers. They will help you develop a brand and communication strategy, create your brand identity and design, and ensure that your business resonates with your audience through effective brand communications plan. If this is something that you need, please head on to www.thevineyardbc.com forward slash free brand call to start. Again, that's www.thevineyardbc.com forward slash free brand call. Now back to the conversation. I think in terms of like the Avion School brand, um, the, what we want people to, to think of when they, when they hear us is not just teaching people how to become engineers. Um, we want to really showcase that by joining Avion School, um, you can get hired as an engineer. Um, the problem that we saw um, with tra traditional forms of learning was you usually paid um, before you even started without the guarantee that you'll actually become uh, what you studied for. So a lot of people now, what they do is that they, you know, they apply for a computer science course in college. They'll study four years only to find out that at the end of all of that, you won't even become hired as an engineer. So the way that we built our, our brand was really showcasing the stories of mm -hmm. people um, getting placed. So we would showcase um, who they are. These are real people um, showcasing who they are, um, what role they're hired in, um, and at what company. Um, a number of them even share stories about how they were able to 5x their, their salary per month. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was just doing that again and again and Nick, even for myself really showcasing that on twitter and linkedin um, that i was able to grow um the, the brand do you share the success rate for among your students uh vis-a-vis -vis the the hiring level oh, we we do we, we we do what's the number there so right now it's a hundred percent wow congratulations so we've been trying to keep up with um that so we we, we track placement um after six months. Um, so we give them the six month um, time period, but most people get hired within the next um, two months after graduating. Is that with the help of Avian School because you have the network of other companies? Yeah. Okay, so that's really part of the promise, right? Uh, when, when you uh, study with Avian School, you'll have an edge because the, the company that's offering you the course also has a huge network of other companies. Is that how it works? That's correct. Okay, thanks, thanks for sharing that. Um, in terms of clarity with, with your brand because I'd like to believe that for Avion it's, you got it pinned down uh, in, in terms of like your value proposition your unique selling point with your 12-week uh, course duration which is very quantifiable, uh, very clear in terms of how you communicate it you, you have that commitment to, to be hired uh, when, you, when you enter Avion school. Uh, to me these are really critical elements of, of branding uh, my, my question is how are you able to firm these things up and at which point of your of the growth of Avion was it really at the beginning? You were already clear about it, or did it have to uh, take you a lot of sessions, or uh, mm. what was your experience there? So it did take a lot of time, um, which is why for the first um, I think for the first seven months, uh, first seven or eight months of building Avion School, we did zero paid ads. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, I don't even think we did a lot of marketing on the Facebook page. Um, we were just focused on what we knew 
was going to be the biggest hook for people. Um, and the biggest hook was being able to get a job and actually being able to get that without having to pay anything to start. Um, because one, you need to train the three people that came in. So they, they, come, they came yeah. into the course um, and you needed to train them. Then we needed to help them get a job. So it took a lot of time before we were even able to validate that brand. Um, but once we, we got them hired um, right away after graduating, um, then we could start working on it. And it involved, you know, speaking to these um, students of ours, um, realizing like what's most important to them and being able to create content around, uh, around that. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And it's the same case for us. Usually when we work with entrepreneurs or even enterprises, we really want to, to like imbibe that principles of branding. Um, not necessarily that everything is clear right at the beginning, but at least the understanding of what branding plays, right, mm. uh, as a role. Uh, and I like what you said, that it actually evolves over time. You really just have to get out there um, and, and really understand things, right? Uh, do things to, for you to better understand what your brand is all about, what your consumers are all about. So really interesting there. Uh, I'd like now to, to shift our gears in the conversation and move more into your entrepreneurial career. So you said that you dropped out of college and then you opted to work for, for several tech startups in the yeah. Philippines that are now some, a lot of it are really big right now. Uh, I wanted to ask you, why did you choose to become an entrepreneur instead? Uh, why didn't you just become an entrepreneur as some other would call it? You were in, the, in a good spot in a startup company anyway, and that might be fulfilling your tech desire. Uh, why did you choose to become an entrepreneur, Victor? I think for one, I'm, I'm actually a very bad <laughs> employee. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of entrepreneurs um, aren't very good at working for others. Um, but I think like the, the, the inner motivation there is I, I really just wanted to see something that I myself was building um, and seeing like a lot of people use that. And that wasn't something, it wasn't enough for me to be able to work for a company and help someone else do that. Um, it was also like an inner goal of mine to be able to, again, become like Elon Musk um, and, and do the same thing. Um, it, it was a fun process that, that, that I think got me. Um, it was a lot harder realizing it now mm -hmm. um, than what I thought it would initially be like. <laughs> yeah, and good for you to have that clarity early on in your, in your career. Uh, I also wanted to ask you, so far in your entrepreneurial career, is there anything that you consider as your most unforgettable mistakes that you've made so far? I think that's a good question. Um, I think in terms of like the, the most unforgettable mistake that I have was thinking that success would come in, uh, would happen very, very fast. Mm -hmm. um, and this was something I was, I, I, I learned, like, again, like my, my thinking when I was starting to work initially was you need to be putting in the 12, 15 hour days um, every single day. Mm -hmm. um, in order to become successful. Um, and it was just doing that every single day to the point that you feel like burning out. Um, what you realize um, building a business is that it's not going to become uh, 
you know, it's not, it's not a short-term play. Um, and you actually have to love your job. <laughs> Um, so it's very hard to push something that you don't actually believe in. So the only reason that I'm able to really withstand the amount of work that has to be put in to build Avian School is because I actually believe that putting in the work will help people become successful. And what that meant was thinking that we won't just become successful in the next two years. Um, if we did, that would be, um, we would be incredibly lucky. But this is, it is actually might be a 10 20 year play and I needed to start shifting my focus to how can I prolong um, my my energy to be able to play for 20 years and it's really you know managing the amount of hours that I work um, actually building relationships with the team members that we have um, creating internal programs where uh, we make it a lot more fun for people to work here so we like, one thing that we do is we we, we sponsor the books that people read. So if you want to read a book, we'll pay for that. Um, you want to um, buy Starbucks every day, we'll pay for that. So it's these types of things that make the, the whole culture a lot more fun to um, work in. And it allows all of us to sort of um, extend the, the, the um, you know, like our timeline for how long mm-hmm. we can be working at this. And, you know, that's our yeah I think that's a very important thought that success is not a short play mm. uh, if, if you enter entrepreneurship it's really about having that big why as you said and, and really understanding the the long-term vision for for yourself for the company for the team and even for for your customers I also want to to dig deep in terms of what you said at starting out you were working did you say 15 hour a day on average? <laughs> uh, and I think in, in the tech space and even in entrepreneurship in general, sometimes it's something that's glorified. Yeah. Um, but I think now you, you have a different perspective. So what I wanted to ask you was, uh, how long were you actually doing that? Uh, <laughs> and what was at stake? And then it seemed to me now that you actually shifted, if that's correct, what made you do so? And how is it now that you're running things uh, mm. And I think in a closer to to human human possibility or human yeah. human standards, Victor. Anything mm. on that? So, I, I definitely don't work fifteen hour days anymore. Uh, when I was <laughs> starting out in my career, I, I, I definitely did. Um, I think now it's about like I I work very normal hours, eight to ten hours. Um, and I think what I learned was you need to like just a huge difference uh, from working um, very long hours and and actually not being able to do the more important work. So in the start of my career, I was in sales. And Mm -hmm. what that meant was for for 15 hours, I'm just searching the internet, looking for leads and sending them an email. And what I would do is I would, you know, list down like a hundred companies, try to get their emails. And for the next few hours, I'll just send and copy paste an email. So that could be a 15 hour day, but are you really being very efficient with your time? Um, as compared to now, um, our thinking internally is that we want to find the best people mm-hmm. and the best people who have the experience that I don't have um, allows me to be able to delegate things. And they, since they've been working on these problems, or these, these departments are much longer than I have, then they're, they're able to scale myself. Um, so that, that's my thinking now. And no one's going to be inspired by someone 
um, you, you know, working 15 hour days. He looks who, who looks really, really tired and <laughs> they're, they're just not very happy. So yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think I that will just, also that will also trickle down to the whole company, right? At the moment you start building such type <laughs> of a culture. Um, before I ask my, my next question, I also wanted to verify how many employees do you have right now? Like how big is the team? We're, we're 25 now. Oh, wow. So is that largely um, high level or, or engineers? Uh, just, just some... Just a it's 80% quick engineers. Oh, good for you. Good for you. And now you have, I can imagine now have department heads and all of that things. That's correct. Okay. I, the, the next question I wanted to ask, that's why I started with that is, um, being a CEO and a founder, I think is, is, is really very different just, just a, as compared to being an employee or even being a senior executive in, in any company at that. Uh, how does your day look like? Um, what, what do you spend most hours to in terms of running your role and running the company, Victor? Again, like the most important thing, uh, the two most important things when building a business is building product and talking to users. Uh, my co-founder, who's um, more into the tech side, uh, tech and operations side, he focuses a lot on building that product. Um, I, on my end, spend a lot of my time being able to get uh, the customers in. So that's focusing on marketing. That's focusing on jumping on a lot of meetings with our partner companies to be able to understand what they're looking for and how we can fulfill that need. Um, so it's still the same, um, focusing mm-hmm. on the most important part and only doing things that, um, that benefit that. Yeah, a couple more questions before we go to the final segment, Victor. Uh, how does your typical day look like? I mean, what, what time do you wake up? Uh, what, what's your morning look like? Do you yeah. even exercise in between? Because you look very fit huh? for everybody <laughs> sound listening. <laughs> how, how is your typical day look like as a CEO, uh, Victor? Well, we, 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 I can't get rid of sleeping late. So I, I still do sleep um, at one, uh, around one to two in the morning. Um, one of the things that I, I've been doing recently, and by recently, I mean in the past um, two, three months, is not having an alarm clock. So most people w- would, would have an alarm clock that, they, that, that would wake them up. Um, I'm fortunate enough to work in a team where I, I trust the people there, and there's no judgment if I don't wake up very early. So I do wake up late. I, I wake up at nine, uh, nine or ten o'clock, but I'm fully refreshed. Meaning I, I, I'm I can be extremely efficient with the hours that I have. That my mind is completely um, present when I'm in meetings. I'm I'm completely present when I work on the things that I have to work on. Um, so I think in, in terms of waking up, I I, I do that. Um, then the start of my day um, from. The, the entire morning, except for this one, uh, and, and actually, except for today, um, is usually spent um, doing deep work. So this is work where I am not bothered. Um, I get to focus on the most important aspects of the business. And the, the, the afternoons are usually spent uh, meeting with people. Um, so, so there, I, um, and at night, I, I do work out. It, it's, it, it's very important to be able to, again, stay very healthy because it is a very long-term play. Is that every night? Is it gym, gym workout? Or um, what do you do? Gym four times a week. <laughs> wow, good for you. Uh, thanks for, for being so open, Victor. My final question would be, what is next for Avian School? Mm-hmm. Well, the next thing for us is, like our whole goal is we want to become the only source for hiring engineers. 
Um, we believe that the Philippines can be the next India in terms of becoming um, the main global hub for hiring software engineers. Um, we, we believe in this market and we want to invest in everything that we can to be able to do that. Um, the next part now that we need to figure out is becoming a global um, company, building a global brand where employers outside the Philippines will actually want to hire um, local talent um, and really help these like these individuals here learn like the most up-to-date um, engineering skills and techniques um, and it starts with like, being able to get those partners um, that will be willing to pay high salaries for local talent um, that's sort of like what we believe in and like everything that we do now uh, heads towards that yeah, and it's such a very meaningful brand behind what you're doing, and uh, it's really such a huge mission. And I think it goes to say, not just for myself, but for a lot of other uh, Filipinos, would be wishing you well and and luck in terms of achieving those goals. We'll now proceed to the final segment. You've been very generous of your time, yep. Victor, which I appreciate. Uh, this is one thing that I call the finish line. So basically, I'll be asking you five questions, but this time I need you to answer them as as quick or as concise as possible. You good? Let's do that. Okay, first question. Characteristic that an entrepreneur must have to succeed? Um, determination. Second, book that you want to recommend for entrepreneurs to read? Growth mindset. Okay, third, any tech company that you consider as your favorite company other than Avian? Might be Tesla right now. Okay, Elon Musk. Number four is, if you're not a co-founder of Avion, what do you think would you be right now, Victor? I'd be a co-founder of another company. Oh, still a co-founder. Lastly is, why do you think someone should start his or her own brand? It's the only way to succeed. <laughs> Wow, that, that's a really big answer. And thank you for that, Victor. Mm -hmm. There's so many nuggets of wisdom that, including myself and I'm pretty sure our audience would learn uh, from this episode. So thank you again for taking time to be here. But before we end the episode, can you please share with us where is the best place for people to learn about Avian School and even your personal brand, Victor? So for the most important part is applying to the school. So if you want to apply um, and become a software engineer, um, you can go to avionschool.com. Um, just click apply now and we'll run you through the admissions process. Um, again, you don't have to pay anything until you're hired. So there's really no risk on your end uh, to, be, to start off a new career. Um, in terms of my socials, um, I, I'd like to plug in my Twitter. So it's at Rivera Victor. Um, so there. Yeah. Once again, thank you so much, Victor, for coming over to the show. And I wish you all the best and may God bless you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Brand Start and for spending time to learn through this podcast. If you need some more free resources, why don't you get a free copy of my book titled Five Things Your Brand Must Have to Be Successful or read insightful blogs over at www.thevineyardvc.com. Brand Starts produced by our company, The Vineyard Brand Consultancy, a branding and communications agency that help entrepreneurs build their brands, and tell their stories. Before I say goodbye, I hope you never stop chasing your dreams. And until then, this is Leonard Grape reminding you to always dare to dream big.